Last night, something paid a visit to the town of Snowfield, Colorado. Hundreds of thousands missing. No bodies, no graves, no witnesses. We've always worried that the terror would come from above. What if it came from below? It's nothing. Biological, chemical, or other? I'm leaning toward other. Welcome back to Old Millennials Remember Movies, the podcast by Tyler Wilson and me, Angela Yoshiko. Hi there. We're in the we're look we're, we're cruising through our scary movies or kind of Halloween movies, right? With Phantoms, Phantoms, Hellraiser. Earn is scared stupid. Go back and listen to those if you need something uh, Halloween related. We've got a couple. Go back listen. to last year's. We had uh, Event Horizon and something else I can't remember. So Teen this Witch. I, I suspect that <laughs> mm-hmm. this episode may be one of our, our, our lowest listened to episodes because nobody fucking saw Phantoms. That's true. No one did. No one has seen it. As evidenced by the box office. But it makes sense for what it, it, it just is on brand for the things I've been watching, so it just made sense. Well, why don't you just tell us why we picked this fucking movie? So, Phantoms stars Ben Affleck. He is uh, known uh, by Jay and Silent Bob in the movie Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back for being the bomb in Phantoms. And so, because I went to the double feature of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and the new Jay and Silent Bob movie, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot... It only seemed fitting that we would do Phantoms, since we're in the midst of our Halloween movies, to do Phantoms. And you wanted to do Phantoms. Why are you putting it on me? You hadn't seen it since we uh, we watched it uh, years ago in college. Yep. So here we are. We're doing Phantoms. Sorry to interrupt, sirs, but we've got a 10.07 on our heads. Oh, Jesus. Again, Ben? No bullshit, because I wasn't with the hooker today. Ha ha! He is. And then earlier in the movie, uh, Ben Affleck actually, and it is, as his character Holden McNeil says, Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms, and then that's the second part of that joke. By the way, <laughs> uh, you played, I couldn't believe this, when I came back from the, the double feature yesterday, I was trying to tell you how like there are like lines of the movie that I have always, from the, the first Jay and Silent Bob movie, that I always... Uh, do and I the one I forgot I always say the Tracy Morgan one but the other one is that it's not the whole line but I do love the Ben Affleck's laugh where he goes ha 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 it's a personal favorite uh, so yeah um yeah so should I just get into this what are yeah, we just, watching yeah and, yeah and I'm just gonna be quiet while I nurse my cold over here I'm sorry that you're still sick um and you just so, talk and talk and talk and no go. I want you to engage a little bit it's fantastically interesting. No. <laughs> I love that. That's good. That almost seemed convincing. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, my friend uh, and uh, guest on this podcast, Sean uh, Scott, 
and I went to the Fathom event of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And what the is new, a Fathom event? I, you know, I've never, I've, this was the first one I've been to. They are usually just like single night screenings of, sometimes it's opera. I've noticed that those are a big thing. Like they do opera pre, uh, performances and they show them on the big screen. They are uh, classic films that they'll show, old movies that are not in theaters as like a for a week-long engagement, that they're just doing a screening of something. There are concerts, there are things that are movies that are like Jay and Silent Bob reboot, in which if they were released theatrically, you know, wide release, would probably not do all that well at the box office. This would be, I think, the case here. But anyway, they did two nights of this. One was uh, uh, one night where it was you get a poster and stuff, and it was just that movie. But we went to the one where they showed Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back from 2001, which mm-hmm. was uh, the the story. Well, Kevin Smith, uh, writer director, had the characters Jay and Silent Bob through Clerks, and they've been in several of his movies prior to that. And then Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back was kind of like supposed to be his swan song from playing with those characters, right? He would end up using them with Clerks 2 and, and now this as well. Um, so Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back in 2001 as a high school, as a, as a white guy in high school. You're white? Yeah, I'm a white guy. As a white guy Jesus. in high school and in the, in the 90s and, and turn of the century, turn of the millennium, I liked Kevin Smith movies. That's what uh, white guys uh, who liked movies were into. We liked that. <laughs> we liked other people too. But – Clerks and uh, Chasing Amy and Dogma and Jan Saint Bob. Uh, when that this story, we uh, uh, Sean and I didn't actually see the movie together in theaters, but um, a couple other my friends did, and we had it was a sneak preview of Jay and Saint Bob Strike Back, and we were fans of the movies, and we were late, and we went to the theater, and it was a little bit further theater that was doing the thing, and uh, it was it's a very R rated movie. We were of age, seventeen, eighteen, whatever we were, seventeen. But uh, our friend uh, Fred had forgotten his ID, and Come on, Fred and um, they wouldn't let him in. They were carding. This was like post Freddy got fingered, so we were pro- they were carding movies ever since Freddy got fingered. No one, no one in our theaters gave a shit about. Well, you were a teenager and you went to an R-rated movie. And they never carded you. But then Tom Green decided to do a movie where there was like an elephant penis, and all of a sudden the theaters were like, "We have to card you when you go to the movie theater." Whatever bullshit he ruined it but whatever yeah um so we were gonna be there i mean they weren't gonna let us in um but our other friend was like i can get you back uh, we'll go get it but we were like we're farther away from home and i knew see i i know i knew these guys well enough to know what they were gonna do which was they were gonna drive 110 miles an hour one way and 110 miles an hour the other way to hey, get back to the theater you have very different friends than me right you know what my solution would have been back what? in the day I would have gone and opened the exit door and let him in the back. <laughs> Done. I don't know if we... It was not our theater, so we weren't... I don't know if we really knew where that was. Every fucking movie theater has an exit door. Maybe. It's dumb. We were gonna... I mean, it's so... We were of age. Fucking dummies. But see, me being the uh, cautious, fearful type, as I've always been, was like, I'm not doing that with you guys. Like, if we're gonna go to the movie, fine. I'm gonna sit here and watch the movie. I'm sorry. That makes me a shitty person, but I do not want to go on the freeway 110 miles an hour and do whatever the fuck you guys are going to do in the car. I don't want any part of that. I'm the asshole. I'll own up to that, but I did not want to do that. So I went to the movie, and they went and drove back and got his ID. And I shit you not, they only missed. Like, we were late already. 
I don't know how fast they drove. Uh, the stories I heard was that it was very fast because they did not miss much of the movie. That's fucking terrifying. <laughs> it is, and that's why I didn't go. Um, but they made it back, and that was the story of that. And it became a movie that Sean would later, we would watch a lot because it was just one of those things where it's just like if you're into something, and it was a very, it's not like a movie that is like incredible or anything, but if you're into the characters and you're into the, the the people in it, it's it's you just you watch it and it's something that you watch as friends together and you you have weird things about it that you like and you quote those things and you see it way too many times and anybody should right that was what Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back was now it's been a long time since I've watched it uh, I we have the DVD but I haven't watched it probably ten years I think maybe the last time I watched it was when maybe you and I watched it together in college probably right yeah. And so it was a little bit weird. Sean and I were both just like, well, this is weird. It was something that we thought was very funny before because we kind of liked the idea of seeing the double feature of like going to the old one and then seeing the new one. Because I personally, I have not loved the output of Kevin Smith recently. Like his movies have not been for me. They are... I don't know what they are. They're just, they haven't been. Yoga Hosers is, I couldn't get through that. And Tusk, I couldn't get through very well either. I don't even know what you're talking about. He's made some movies and this has been, (coughs) he's been, ever since he kind of flamed out with that, uh, studio movie, the Bruce Willis movie, he's kind of decided by choice to kind of like go his own way. And I, that's totally fine. Just the movies that he's made have not been for me. Um, but, we, it's very curious because they made this Jay and Silent Bob movie, so we're curious about that. I don't think the trailer looked particularly good, but we decided we we're going to do it. And to go back and watch uh, now, funny, funnily, oddly enough, because uh, we were late to the first part of this, so we missed the first fifteen minutes of it. Um, but I was surprised by watching Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, like how much I rem- like. It's been ten years probably since I watched it, but it is all in my brain still. Like I know the dialogue straight through which is weird because the movie is um and i don't fault kevin smith so much because i know he's not a a guy that like is not a homophobe he doesn't dislike gay people but 10 you know 2001 the humor level of like gay panic was all over the place right a lot of gay panic jokes between jay and silent bob that you wouldn't do that movies are not doing now i think for that's good we're not doing those we don't need to do that anymore I don't think the movie is homophobic, but it, it just has that element to it that feels a little dated. Yeah. Now, that being said, I know all these diet lines, and so maybe I'm a little bit, like, biased, because I'm just like, I don't know, I thought this was funny when I was young, and I'm not a homophobe, so it's cool. Like, I, it's funny still, right? I don't think he's... I don't think the movie has any kind of uh, negative, anti-gay message, so I, I think that's fine. But um, it's funny how things stick in your head uh, so long and so well when you know... A movie. Now it was a theater full of, uh, you know, uh, single white guys. It seemed like I yeah. didn't see a lot of women in the screening. <clears throat> I, you know, I don't know if that's a thing or not. But uh, what I found especially odd about the first movie was what uh, what I my favorite parts of the movie are the things that like did not get any response from anybody. Like we obviously our group of friends had a very the things we latched onto are like the line deliveries or things that. Um, Maybe other people don't don't like as much. I don't know. Because you're yeah, weird. Because we're weird and like uh, the Tracy Tracy Morgan is in it like mm-hmm. this for a second at the end. And I always like I've been saying this. I still do it to this day where some he has a line where he doesn't understand what Jay is saying. And I do this when I don't understand people or something I'm like I don't it's like I don't know what the fuck you just said, little kid. 
but you're special or something. I say that all the time, and it's just like no response from anybody in the theater, but I'm just like, that's like the best line in the movie. Tracy Morgan's hilarious, but it was uh, weird to kind of go back in it, but then nicely fall into it and being like, I can still enjoy this, and I recognize it's not like a great movie, but I enjoy it. Yeah. Jay and Silent Bob reboot is weird in that it is this very much this nostalgic thing. It's meant to tug on the very thing that we as a group of friends liked about Jay and Silent Bob through Clerks, through all of those movies, right? It's doing the same things, callbacks, bringing people back from old movies and Mm -hmm. doing the things that we know and recognizing things that other people wouldn't recognize if they watch it and feeling like you're in on the joke, right? Mm -hmm. Still doing that. What is weird, though, is that there is this second act to Kevin Smith's career that I am less familiar with. He's a podcaster and he... They made these movies that I don't care for and haven't rewatched. Um, and he's got a, he's got a, um, you know, a, re- a new relationship with fans now that is different than what I know. And I feel like a lot of, J- probably about fifty percent was about half the things that I know that they're calling it back on, and the other half the things that I don't, I don't understand or it's not, not in my zone. And so it was a very weird experience watching it. Uh, it's uneven. Some of it, I think, is funny because there are elements and people that are in it that are funny. Yeah. But as a movie, it's not constructed particularly well. Um, his daughter is not bad in the movie. She is um, plays a pretty big role in it, and she was a big role in Yoga Hosers. I think she's pretty good. I think she could be keep doing this, you know what I mean? Jay is weird because they, they both aged, right? Kevin mm-hmm. Smith had that heart attack and has lost a bunch of weight. I kind of like... How um, it's fun. They he used to call him Lunchbox and tons of fun and all that. And now he's got new skinny uh, nicknames for him that are a little bit derogatory still too. And I think that's all pretty fun. Um, There's a there's actually a good bit um, that I felt was a pretty good answer to the male, the very maleness of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. He's got this new female gang that's partly his daughter. And they're in the movie, and they go on this long diatribe about how they would bend over and fuck the shit out of Chris Hemsworth and shit like that. Yeah. This kind of stuff that Jay would say about women in all the movies before that. And I kind of like that turning of it. And it's playing with the fact that they are rebooting it and going back to the well, and there's some things. And I... I, the one question, the tra- trailers give it away, but Ben Affleck is back in the movie mm-hmm. for a sequence. And I don't know how the movie – he came in and did it late, I guess, because they had a falling out, but then they rekindled their relationship or whatever. It is, I think, the best scene in the movie because it is actually trying – there's a couple things that I appreciate him trying. He's trying to do something more than just be a stupid comedy, and I, I appreciate that reach. I don't know if yeah. it's always successful, but I like – there's emotional undercurrent to it, right, about being a, an adult and being a, a parent that I think he's trying to do something with. And – what I what's weird though is that this Ben Affleck scene is late and it it is kind of a key scene to kind of make the movie come together and I don't know like what was what was it going to be with Ben Affleck not in it would it have been a different character I I was I'm curious about that because the way it came together I think it's the best written scene in the movie <coughs> I like Affleck as an actor in general and I think he's doing something there that's good um, it's but it's weird it's just like everybody's a lot older. Yeah, we're all older, Tyler. Everybody looks a lot older, though. Jason Lee, who you haven't, you haven't seen in anything in a while, is there in the beginning doing his thing, and it's just like, where the fuck have you been, Jason Lee? This is weird. And, like, 
Where has he been? Uh, you know, I don't know. So it's – it's – it's a weird thing. It's a, a thing I would never recommend for anybody who just isn't a fan of oh, yeah. those movies. And I don't even necessarily call myself a, a, a fan of his current work or anything like that. And, and it, so it's weird. But if you're a fan, I mean, he's doing a road show where he's going to tour and they're going to like do Q&A. I think it's coming through our town. And I don't know. I, I could see there's an appeal there. But it's it's for the fans. And it's not uh, not for... Not for I don't even know if you would take much out of it because I don't think you were you never really had the I think you appreciated how much I like could you enjoy I don't know if you probably don't enjoy this now but back in the day you appreciated how much I knew of the movie and would say things and try to like get you in on the things that we liked about it right yeah. to kind of include you in our group and to feel like you were I think you liked that aspect of it sure. I don't know if you liked the movie very much you know what I mean yeah. it's not like your thing right no. it wasn't your thing you didn't watch the I, I think I don't even did, correct me if I'm wrong did you I think I was the one that like showed you <laughs> clerks and mall rats yeah. and you I didn't, didn't see any, any of that stuff so yeah yeah I don't think you get much out of Jay and Silent Bob reboot but nah. so that's what I saw and that's why we're doing phantoms but um, there's there's a gag that kind of calls back to that phantoms thing have you watched anything? You watched something. You watched a. You got. You were ill. You decided to come home early from work. Yep. You crawled into bed. You did your very millennial thing of turning on your phone. No, first I said, "Hey, four-year-old," because the other two kids were in school. Make sure the two-year-old doesn't do anything awful. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's called. That's called parenting one hundred and one. Then I went in my room and I closed the door, not tight. That's tight. I, cl- I we, could still hear them. To be fair, our walls and our doors, I mean, it's not like anything if you close the door. You know but what's I mean, going on. You like, know what's going on. Like, could he get a knife out and I No, he know. can't reach the knives. No. We put those up. We put those up. <laughs> fucking knock on some wood. I, right I don't now. need to know about your terrible parenting. I need to know what you watched when you anyway, like, crawled into bed. I shouldn't be left alone to parent. Yeah, you probably... Because I, I was at a dentist appointment. I think that was the reason, right? I wasn't there. I don't know where the... Where the fuck you? Were met you? me at the dentist office and we switched cars. Oh, that's right. Fuck. <laughs> and then I had to rush back because you're like, I'm not going to get the kids from school. You gotta get back. Yeah. Which was the plan anyway, but still, it was but funny like, that you, yeah. made, you made the point of like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, one of the things I like to do when I don't feel well mm-hmm. is crawl into bed, mm-hmm. get some snacks. Yeah. Because food makes you feel better even when you, you shouldn't be eating food. Yeah, I I get usually when I get sick though I can't breathe through my nose and I can't taste anything so then I end up not eating. Oh, anything. those are it the sucks. times that I want like things that are really unhealthy because they're really salty. Or... I can't taste that stuff though. It sucks. Anyway, so I crawled into bed, grabbed my phone. Yes, mm-hmm. I watch fucking TV shows on my phone. Yeah, you've stopped giving me so much shit for that. Well, over I, the years because usually. It, it 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 was it's born out of like the kids wanting to well number one you can't watch uh shows that are not G in the house because they'll they'll hear it or see it right yep. so you need to have something where you can plug headphones in and watch something right there's yep. a necessity there if you want to like watch something while they're doing something else right yep so I uh, crawled into bed and I just cruised through pretty much the entire season of Shit's Creek the new was season five is that what they're on at this yeah. point the latest season yeah. of Shit's Creek. And you really like that show. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Eugene funny. Levy, Catherine O'Hara, which are, I love those two together and like best in show. And Yeah. I would say it's like 70% really good. There's about 30% where I'm like, meh. The Chris Elliott stuff? Yeah. I don't like him. 
<laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I didn't like him. It, was he? Uh, I might just be totally off in like something about Mary. Yep. He's in Hi, My Mother is a supporting character for a little while, and as Lily's mom. Yeah, I didn't. He's like in a lot that. of stuff. I mean, he's I just, been in everything, but he's always cast as this certain character. I don't think it's his fault. I just don't, I don't think, think it's so your either. thing, and it's not usually my thing either. I think there's a very specific way you can use Chris Elliott. I think that the, from what I've seen of Shit's Creek <clears throat> is not the way I enjoy watching him. It's but. turned up too much. If they would just turn him down a little bit. It would be better. It's the same thing with Eugene Levy, who's a brilliant comic performer. But when you turn that performance up too much, it's not good. He's not like that in Schitt's Creek, I don't think. I think he's actually turned more down than usual. Catherine O'Hara, on the other hand, she's usually turned up. But I think the great thing about Catherine O'Hara, she's so good that even when she's amped up, it's like you have to kind of admire the effort a little yeah. bit. I I admire her. She flexes. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. She, You have to appreciate her flex. She's got flex. She can. She'll go for broke. Anytime, yeah. any, everywhere. Yeah. And I appreciate that about her. She's super funny. I love Eugene Levy's son. He's... I, so you have... We've kind of started to watch it again. I had seen the pilot a long time ago, or maybe yeah. two episodes, and not didn't, <coughs> didn't dislike it, but just didn't get going on it, right? Yeah. And I think he is oddly... I forced oddly, you to restart. I was like, let's restart it. He is um, kind of the... He's very funny. He's, he's the star of the show. He's really good, and it's you never. I don't. I had never seen him in anything other than that. It's and his he son. Gets better and better. He and created better. the show with Eugene Levy, yeah. right? And so and he's good. This gal who plays his sister is really good too. She gets better too. I think she's not. I. I. I think it's a good performance right off the bat. I just. She just has this very like weird way of talking that just. It's so fucking fun to watch. Uh, it's you, so weird. Eugene Levy's son. What's his son's name? He's got a good. Um, I'm blanking. He's kind of the straight man of the show a little bit. Eugene Levy a little bit too, but um, his reactions to the he's it's like it's but he's a, not he's fucking weird too. He is weird, but I would say like what I like about the the comic aspect of it is very um it's it's I I understand he's a little bit off, but I think it's as good as like peak Arrested Development first three seasons. Jason yeah. Bateman. That is a brilliant performance by Jason Bateman because he has to be like this center that has to be at least slightly correct. Yes. Otherwise, everything else falls apart. And it's like the it's very important that that character is right. And I feel like that's what kind yeah. of his character. And is. I love that it's so crass that he can just be like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's pretty good. Like the what the fucks in, in Shit's Creek are the best. They don't happen so far. Like I, it's like a one an episode yes. kind of thing. Yes, and when it happens, <laughs> and it's everything else is relatively clean too. Yeah. So it really comes out of nowhere. Like, what the fuck? The pilot has a great um, thing with Chris Elliott because he's being super annoying about being in this motel room, and Eugene Levy's getting frustrated, and everybody, and you're so frustrated because it's just that it's frustrating, <coughs> but it does have a great like. Can you get the fuck out of the room, please? Can you is, get the fuck out of the room. It's it's a pretty great uh, tension breaker, yeah. and it's exactly what you you want. And Your family. I yeah. can see that that's the, the the how the show is going to progress. So I yeah I like it. I'm, and it's just I can't wait to finish it. Can, get watch deeper it into you. it. Yeah, with you. I would imagine it gets better. Yeah, I don't think it's great so far. It's it, I keep watching it. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, there are elements. I, like. I would say like the the parts that are good start to get better well they, they figured out what's working right you know first seasons are always tough i feel like for any new show 
I agree. Yeah, no, it makes it hard. You gotta get settled in. There are very few shows that kind of get going immediately. Um, even things that I... wish I had some tea. I would tea time you right now. um, Tea time with Tyler. Go. What shows nail it first first season out the gate? Community, I think. I mean, we're just going recently. I think Community nails it right off the gate. Even, like, um... The Office, notoriously. Does Community nail it right out of the gate? I think so. Lisa mentioned that she's watching that. She said she had watched it, but maybe didn't finish it. And I'm yeah. always talking about it. And I was like, ooh, does it feel dated? I don't know. But I think. <clears throat> what she, she said say? it doesn't feel too dated. Some things, yeah. She said there's some weird sexual things in it. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we're we're in a whole new world with that stuff. It's yes. That stuff is quickly dating itself hey, fast. Rock style the gate for season. I don't know. Even Parks and Rec, I think, is not a great first six mm-hmm. episodes. It gets way better second season. The Office is a classic example of how they like. Don't even watch the first season. I think it's fine, but it that show clicks amazingly in its second season, whereas yeah. that first season doesn't. Um, I think Brooklyn Nine Nine of recent stuff works pretty well right away. Um, I mean, there are things. Arrested Development's pretty great right off the bat. It, even even that though, like it needs a couple episodes. You have to kind of figure out this, the what's going on. You have to like settle into. You have to are. settle into it, and the the actors have to kind of get into yeah, that mode. Yeah. There's a, there's it because of TV. It, there's a, a, a comedy TV especially. There's a gelling of like. Cast. A, cast, a cast in the writing team, and sometimes it's mm-hmm. combined. When we talked about like Fleabag in previous episodes, that's the same person, right? And so yeah. that thing is coalescing right away, and it's short. That's intended to be gelling right from the start, right? But a, a show that's intended to go for a, for longevity, and I feel like the takes some the time, ensemble, right? Or if there's just more, you know, right? And so, um, yeah, and you know, longevity is tough with co- comedies, especially. I mean, it, it's hard to get going, and then you get a great couple. You get some good moments, but then you always end up. These things never end great, right? They just end up eventually plateauing or dropping. That's what they do. It's just a fact. Well, I would say the latest season of Shit's Creek was really good. Season that's only season. <coughs> that's only season five, though. That's still in your. That's in the zone. Yeah, the only yeah, exception yeah. I would say is like oh, always sunny because it's always sunny in Philadelphia because they take such long breaks in between yeah. their episodes. They always somehow manage to like keep that shit going, which he is, is crazy. Supernatural coming back? I think for one more year. I feel like you ask this every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you make fun of me for asking every. Episode. I know you like that show. I don't. I, you, what's funny is that you watch it. Which is fine. Listen, great for you. What about The Magicians? That's a good show. This is what's what's so great. Okay, again, fine that you like that. That's good for you. But what I find funny is that you were the one who watches these shows, and yet you rely on me, who's never seen an episode of either of them, to be like, oh yeah, it's coming back in two weeks or something like that. And the sad thing is that I sometimes and often know that. And be like, oh yeah, it comes back on the October 35th. Yeah. 35th. What's that <laughs> one show that I really like? Magicians. It's not the magicians. Charmed. Maybe it's <laughs> new. Charmed. It's the one that I said is kind of like Buffy in the way that it's like for adults. Is it the magicians? You like the magicians? There's another one that's just like that name wise. I can't remember. It has to do with some magician. The hexes. Yeah, it's that. I, <laughs> the shadow hunters. Shadow. That's it. Which is a People's Choice winner now. Oh, seriously? <laughs> I think so. Well, like the People's Choice Award for of best show. Of course, you know why? Because it's all these shows. Well, People's Choice Awards, that's the only people that are watching like the CW yeah. that are voting yeah. for that. All but... these shows are just like, hey, hey, do you like watching hot people on screen? Hot 20-year-olds, let's be clear. Which and, I'm, and I'm, then, I'm less, that's fine. I find then, that less appealing these days. I know. And now I'm starting to get to the age in my mid-30s here. And I'm like, am I a fucking creep? 
I think yeah. I might be a creep. You're a creep. I'm a For creep. sure. I find it a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Because they're like, ooh, isn't this a hot... Like, Riverdale, that's a great example. Yeah. They're supposed to be hot, but they're yeah. high school kids? Like, I'm not into that. I can't get my head around, like, ooh, hot Riverdale. I'm like, no, I'm th- in my 30s. They're um, meant to be teenagers. So, in regards to Riverdale... <laughs> Which you've seen, of course. Of course. <laughs> I wouldn't say that any of the characters are hot. I think I think demographically, the, younger people would probably say they are. The Archie guy, definitely not hot. Although, okay... Archie. <laughs> I mean, uh... The girl, Jughead? she's attractive. Jughead's kind of like hot in his own little way. The redhead again, lady from the Veron is it Veronica? Oh yeah, she's hot. But yeah. again, they're in high school. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to the point where, like, when Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I remember our friend Simon, who was we were in college, and he would always be like, "Oh, Buffy's so hot." Um, that's normal. You're because <laughs> he was eighteen, right? Yeah. But see, even even but see, that's the issue with me. I don't know. Like, we watched Buffy a little bit later. Even like we're I like, watched it with Simon. I know you did, but I don't think I watched it in full until maybe we were like twenty two. And even then I was like, Oh, they're supposed to be in high school. I don't know. Seems weird. It is weird. Except for Cordelia though. I mean I I get it. But I think it is it's um eased by the fact that none of the actors are underage. That's true. That does help. A so little then bit. you're not like actually pining after like a child. I think we talked about this in a recent episode of like uh, cl- Clueless. It's we, a recurring thing. For, yeah. Well, we me. talk about a lot of high school movies and stuff like that. So we sure do. Um. All right. So you watch Shit's Creek, and you're watching Shit's Creek. Now I am. Yeah, a little bit. So um. Yeah. Ooh. Uh. I watched. Uh. We don't have a lot to say about Phantoms, do we? Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know how we what went we? to the movie theater and saw Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them two years ago? Was it only two years ago? Yeah. So this is what I will tell you about yeah. what I remember for it. Yeah. We had a choice between a couple movies. But Yeah. And I was like, but I love, like, magic. And we like the Harry... I like all those Harry Potter movies. I Every love, single one of them. I love that world. I love yeah. that fantasy theme. I like the books. Let's pay the money and go see this in the theater. Yeah. And it was fucking dog shit. You did not care for it at all. I thought it was also pretty bad. <laughs> and then, I don't like Eddie Redmayne very much, and so that's a problem for me right off the bat. It was boring. It was stupid. That's all I remember. Great review. <laughs> um, so then you decide to fucking watch it again. Nope. I didn't watch that one. Because if you recall, Wait, there's I a thought... sequel. <laughs> <coughs> oh, that's what That you came saw? out this not this year, but late last year. I thought and you told me you watched... Uh... I watched The Crimes of Grindelwald. Isn't it the same movie? This is a sequel. No, it's... It's just one. Fantastic movie. Beasts and Where to Find Them is the first one. Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald oh, is the Christ. second one. Oh, to yeah. which we were like, are we going to see that? And we're like, no. Why are we, we're done with this. Okay. But to be really honest, like, <laughs> we were just kind of wanting to see it. I just maybe. had a moment where I was like, oh, you watched that without me? Well, I mean, it's right so up let's your alley. Hear, let's fucking hear your Fuck. review of it. Go. So what's weird about it, we didn't go to the theater and I, it's now on like HBO or something or easily easily accessible. I when first ten minutes of this thing I'm watching it I'm like did is this part three like I don't know what happened you're like did I fucking miss something I felt like I missed an entire movie because there's all these characters running around that are did, not Eddie Redmayne that did are not you? Uh, no this is only the are second you sure? one I checked <laughs> <laughs> I looked I looked it up because no Johnny Depp because remember in the first one Colin Farrell morphed into spoilers for Fantastic Beasts he was Grindelwald no not spoilers don't fucking watch that movie he Colin Farrell we're all like Colin Farrell whereas now we this was a big problem because this is now the Johnny Depp train has fallen off because he had a fist fight with a woman and uh, blah 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 right so we're off the train of Johnny Depp and there was a big problem when they he was revealed to be the true form of Grindelwald the villain and then J.K. Rowling and them were like, well, we're keeping him in the sequel. And then they had to, like, defend that choice and blah, blah, blah. And that was a problem. Right? So he's in the beginning. 
And it's like, that takes place. I was like, oh yeah, they caught him and now he's breaking out. I get that. Okay, fair, great. But then we move on to like, Eddie Redmayne is walking with these other people and he's got a brother and he's got this other girl who seems like a love interest, but it's not the love interest from the first movie. Right. I'm just like, who the fuck are all these people? I don't remember any of this. Were these people in the last one? I don't remember. And it just is like a whole movie of that where there are like 15 characters running around. One of them is Dumbledore played by Jude Law. I know who that is. But he's only in it a little bit, and he's just Was sending all the other characters like a off. Story or something? No, that's the weird thing about this. This whole Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Him was like a a reference book of monsters and stuff like that. Oh, that's right. J.K. Rowling wrote a screenplay and a new universe to continue the story, but it's a prequel to Harry Potter, right? So she is the screenwriter of both that one and The Crimes of Grindelwald. So it is her. It is J.K. Rowling's voice, but it is not based on a previous uh, previously published material. And I would argue that, <coughs> as the evidence suggests, she is uh, not a great screenwriter in terms of compared to her abilities as to writing a full uh, novel. Because I don't, this is insane. This movie has so much people just moving around in spaces and characters that were uh, important in the first one are not very relevant in the second one. I, 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 there's a, obviously this appeal to try to bring in Jude Law to be a character that we know, Dumbledore, right? But then he's like not in it very much and just shows up and periodically to like send people on their way. He's like, well, I can't do anything, but you can go do this and meet this person and meet that person. The guy from the first one that got killed is just like alive for no reason, but he's really important. And it's like, I don't know. Confusing. I was just trying to figure out this movie and I was, I, it's not, it's, it's, it's not, um, it's not great. There are a couple of sequences that are have some inspired visuals, but I don't know. It's weird. And then it's this Johnny Depp performance that is just so Johnny Depp. I, it's just it's it's all voice. It's all over the top. It has no nuance. I mean, this is a guy that we all used to. I mean, obviously the public, his personal life has seeped into this a little bit, right? Yeah. But I mean, this was happening before that seeped out. Where, like, he's done nothing but play caricatures. And this is another example where it's supposed to be this huge, towering figure. And it just is landing with a thud. It has these, like, weird elements that are clearly meant to be, like, Trump comparisons. But it's very clumsy. And it's very, very odd. And it ends in a way that's just... I don't know. There's going to be three more of these things. What? But... I don't think this one made very much. I, I think this movie did significantly worse box office wise. It made money, but it wasn't like a huge hit. I just can't imagine what they're going to have to do to fix this. Cause I don't, I'm like even Eddie Redmayne, who I don't love mm-hmm. in this movie. He's so like toned down and not active in the movie. That I was like, Oh, like he was, he's honestly the best part of it, which is weird for me to say, right? I'm like, I want more of that character. Cause at least I know I get what this guy is about. I don't know what any of these people are doing. Weird. The the snake from the Harry Potter movies is a person in this movie, but she's like not bad. I don't know. It's so crazy. Maybe I'm There's being a, a dumb snake guy. In the Harry Potter movies? Yeah, Nagini, the Voldemort snake. Remember that? Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was a person before, and she wasn't evil. Oh, it's crazy. Crazy movie. Okay. Okay, so I saw. I watched that. I don't know why, but I did. I watched it. Then I watched. Uh, this is going back to our uh, previous episodes where I've been trying to figure out what I like about movie, old movie musicals, right? Yes. So I watched Kiss Me, Kate. Mm-hmm. It was on the Turner Classic Movies thing. I watched some of that with you. 
yeah, didn't didn't enjoy that one at all. It's like Taming of the Shrew, but it's this weird thing where it's like actors who are about to put on the stage show of Taming of the Shrew, but there's like a slight plot going on before that. But then like the whole movie is basically like the play on stage with yeah. a, a little intermission with more stupid shit. I don't know. I know it's a clap. People like the stage show, but the movie I found to be strange yeah. and abrasive. What's weird is that um, this is a problem with a, a lot of um, old movie musicals and the way that the singing is is not pleasant to listen to now. We don't we don't regard the way that those people are singing as like easy to listen to now. It's very mm-hmm. high pitched and shouty, right? Yeah, and it's it serves a purpose on stage. That serves less a purpose in a in a movie musical, right? And this is a lot of that. Yeah. And there's a weird scene where the uh, main guy like uh, bends the lady over and like slapping her on the I ass a bunch. You saw that part, I was, and I was like, like, "What the fuck is this movie? <laughs> what the you're fuck watching? is this?" Right? So I thought that was weird. Didn't enjoy it. So there's okay. another one on the pile or not. But then this brought me all the way back to I think <laughs> the reason this whole thing started was eight years ago. You Sophomore and I, year of college, we like Netflixed <laughs> or rented. No. Okay. We VHSed this fucking movie. We VHSed it? We watched it in the apartment. We were laying on a mattress. For some reason, I don't recall me having like a bed frame mattress on the floor. Yeah, we did that for a while. And I had the small TV that had the fucking VHS tape. The combo. DVD, VHS. Oh, no, it was just the VHS. Just the VHS. I got it from like my fucking sister. It was like fucking old. Yeah. And it was like set up on a box. So we were like sitting... In my room on the mattress watching the West Side Story. West Side Story. And the funny thing about that was that I don't think we got 25 minutes into it before I mean, we're like, it, we can't do this. It could have been the 14-inch screen. Could have been. Could have been the uncomfortable mattress on the floor with pillows against the wall. Might have been. Could have been that we were 19 years old. Mm-hmm. But... Because it, it... And this is... Well, this stopped this in its tracks because we tried to watch a few of these things. We, I think we've already talked about how we like watch half a fiddler on the roof. We got to got, intermission, and then we just never finished it. Never. And it wasn't that we even disliked it. Nope. We were just like, eh, we were whatever. Like, Let's get lunch. And, and then, then it was like, eh. You want to finish it? And we're like, meh. Nah. So West Side Story we rent, and it and this is I I still watching it again because this that's the reveal of the story. Ooh, I watched it. Um, it has like an overture. Where the title slowly comes up and it's the instrumental music and it goes on for eight minutes and that's a, I don't know when you're watching on a 14 inch screen and you're like this is supposed to be like a great classic and we're like what the fuck we're waiting for eight minutes for this movie to even fucking start I know that's a little bit of a thing right and then the first scene are the Jets yep and they're uh, on the street and they're not singing they're not talking they're just snapping their fingers and it's all just like this extended dance thing and it's just like what the fuck like. And when you're like 19, 20 years old watching on a fortune inch screen and you're like trying to like do your, you know, I don't know. We're trying to be uh, scholars of film as as we were just trying to see as much as we could, right? Yeah. It's just that's not the way to get no. into West Side Story, and right? I, I had a – I wanted you to watch it because I – You had seen it. I had seen it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I had seen it all, but in high school – Either my junior or senior year of high school or marching band did West Side Story theme. Oh, okay. So you so did some of the songs. We did the songs. I feel pretty there somewhere. There was fucking America. snapping. Yeah. Wow. We fucking were snapping in the fucking hallways like a bunch of dum dums. Right. 
So, so it was a whole fucking thing. So it was like, ooh, West Side Story. We didn't get past the Jets. <laughs> Did, we didn't, I didn't, I don't know if we heard someone talk in that movie when we watched it. And then I never tried it again. We never yeah. tried to watch it again. Okay. Why would you? There's so many other things to watch. And mm-hmm. it's just like, you had a weird experience starting it. Not saying it's bad. Obviously people love it, right? Well, okay. So it's late. I'm white. You went gone to bed early because you've been ill. And I start, it's two hours and 40 minutes. It's two hours and forty. No, minutes uh, it's not quite that long because this is what hooks you too. It's a, it's Turner Classic Movies Essentials uh, series, and it's um, co-hosted by Ava DuVernay, the the director, and she, it's one of her movies that she wanted to talk about. And so they kind of hook you right away with like her talking about it, and you're like, "Well, if Ava DuVernay thinks this is great, like, all right, well, hold on, let's watch this or something." You got to get into it, right? And I've always wanted to go like this. This goes into the series of trying to watch these movies, right, and try to see if I could. What happens past those? Because I've never you had seen it. You had, you have experience with watching. It. I know it, it's it has a shake. Uh, um, a it's Romeo two, hour, two and a half hours long. It's a Romeo and Juliet story, right? Um, and so I yeah I watched it. I had to do now. I had to watch it over <coughs> uh, two nights because it is long. So yeah. I did split it. And I split it. I went through intermission and I watched like I feel pretty, and then I turned it off because there was about an hour left at that point. I was like, okay, this is fine. I can watch it later. It was one o'clock in the morning, and I got okay. So Angie, this is the reveal. I watched it. Yeah. I think it's fucking amazing. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I told you it was good. I'm, But it's just weird that there was this whole period where, like, because you had there this were, like, weird experience. Years of your life. Where and you... I, listen, those first 20, I don't love the first, like, the dancing with the finger snaps. I'm just like, can we kind of get to the fucking movie a little bit? Like, I get it. Speed this up a little. Right? And I get what it's doing. It's a stage show, and they're recreating that, right? But my God, it's so fucking well made. It's amazing. It is like, it's a lot of it's on location, and when it's not, the sets are amazing. You're an adult now. You were watching that as a fucking teenager. It's so fucking good. It's... Oh my god, it's so funny. It's so fucking good. Okay, but you don't like musicals, so I do. No, but see, this is the thing. This is... Here's the... (coughs) I do like some musicals, right? And yes, you do. And it was always weird that like the one of the gold standard people always point to as being one of the great ones was one that I was like, well, I didn't even get through twenty minutes of it before I had to like just get I had to be done with it. So now I've watched it. I'm like, well, there, here it is. This is because I think one, I think the music's really good. I like a a, a lot of, if not all of the the songs. I think are strong. They're Salmine songs. I mean, for the most part, I think he's great. I'm, I'm not, why am I? Everybody knows he's great, but some of that stuff's not not always great to me, right? But I really liked all that here. It's amazingly shot. Um, yes, Natalie Wood is in uh, uh, not blackface. It's like she's gets she paints her face, right? And there's a lot of that going on in the movie. It, what's great about the Turner Classic movie thing is is that Ava DuVernay at the end they do talk about that, and and it was a product of the times, and she talks about that and how it's you know. I, it was a. It's a good conversation to have now because certain politicians haven't figured out recently that you shouldn't do that, right? And yeah. it's a good conversation about why it happened then and why it shouldn't happen now. And I think it's a good conversation. And she's actually she loves the movie and she's very complimentary of the performance itself, despite the fact that they did not hire a real person of color. Rita Moreno is amazing though in the movie. Um, she's my favorite part of the movie. She's uh, just she won the Oscar for uh, supporting actress. She's uh, incredible. I loved. I, I was enthralled by it. I don't know. It's crazy. I couldn't believe it. Good job. I loved it. It's so good. <coughs> so good. I told you it was good. 
No, I don't think you did not. I told you we should rent it, and I told and we rented it because I told you it was good. It's so good. It might be one of my favorites that I've seen of these this generation of. uh, I know that's crazy to say because I'm just like yeah, everybody, anybody listening to this has seen that or likes those kind of movies. Like you fucking idiot, you're so fucking dumb. That's what they're saying to me right now. You're saying that you're an idiot. You're dumb. You spent all that time because you had a little weird experience watching on a tiny screen. You didn't like the finger snapping, and probably because we were like, do you want to like. Do you want to, like, have sex? Oh, maybe. Yeah, that and was, was probably like, part of it. then was like, let's turn it off. And then it was like, meh. I think what moved the needle, too, in terms of me wanting to watch it now, too, is that what's... This is crazy. Steven Spielberg is remaking it right now. I saw They're that. They're in the now, process. Yeah. It's in production. And on one hand, if anybody... You know, if you're going to have... If you're going to remake it, like, maybe have one of the greatest living directors do it. Maybe a good idea. But it seems like a weird thing. Never one, I don't think, <laughs> he's never made a musical. Um... And it just seems like a tough... It would be tough, right? But it... It's a tale as old as time. It is, and it, I, I get... I'm really fascinated by it. Like, what is it going to be, and how is it going to be? Is it going to be updated? I, I don't know much about it, but it does tell a, a tale of immigration and of tolerance that, mm, I mean, I could see why someone right now in 2019 would want to make it, because it does still resonate in that way. It, it does, and it still has these universal themes of, um, you know, it, it, I mean, it's Romeo and Juliet, right? I mean, it's the same concept, but it has these racial undertones that I think must be intriguing to him to make. But I, I just, I can't. That's a weird thing. It'll be fascinating to watch what that will be because I don't know. I don't know if, as much as he's a great director, I don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea. And I get the the idea is that it's a good story and you can introduce it to a new generation and whatnot, but we'll seems seems daunting. I don't know. <coughs> so I watched West Side Story. Yeah, you did. Oh, that's all that we got. <laughs> so we're forty five minutes into Woo! this episode. <laughs> we had a lot. We had Jay and Bob, and we you know there's a lot going on there. So we watch Phantoms. <laughs> we just want to like not talk about Phantoms. No, we're talking about oh, fucking okay. Phantoms. Talk about Phantoms. I mean, there's not to be fair to Phantoms. I don't know if there's a. L- there's not a lot to talk about in terms of what it is, other than I think the best thing going for it is that it's a pretty good joke in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> oh my god! Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like he's the bomb in Phantoms, and you know what? Here's the thing: I think he is the bomb in Phantoms, but I don't know if there's much else to uh, say about Phantoms. That. What did you, we did write? What we remember? Because in the beginning of this, we'd usually do write uh, what do we remember about yes. movies. You, what did you write? I wrote. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ben Affleck wears a cowboy hat. Yep. They're in a small town. Right. There's a creature or something attacking the town. It's like a tremors worm. Mm. A bunch of people are killed. Ben Affleck helps save the day. Yep. That's what you wrote. That's what I wrote. Similarly, we watch... uh, I wrote, (laughs) there are some monsters in the sewers? Or is that the movie Mimic? No, that had Mira Sorvino, and this one has Rose McGowan and Ben Affleck as a sheriff in a cowboy hat. See, that's the through line for us. Shaboom. I only saw this after Jay told the world that Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. Yo, and he is, probably. That's right. I remember from the movie, uh, I don't, we don't, we don't really dress up for Halloween even when we were uh, younger, but one year we did. What do you mean when we were younger? Well, we were together, but not um, before kids, right? But we didn't, costume parties wasn't a thing. We went to a couple... Uh, the one thing that we did two years in a row, we were because Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner were married at the time. We yeah. were 
Electra and another character that he was. You did Phantom. You wore a cowboy. No, I thought you just did Alias. Oh yeah, I I fa- oh, yeah. I famously don't dress up for Halloween. Famously in that. Yeah. No, no, you're notoriously. Right. I, did, I did Alias one year and Electra the next year. Well, I think both years I ended up just wearing like a western shirt and a cowboy hat, and I was like, I'm Sheriff Affleck from Phantoms, yep. <laughs> and that was the extent in which if I dress up for Halloween. Yeah, I looked hot. Yeah, you look good now if you did it too. Yeah, because I go to the gym now. God, we're going to go through this whole thing again? <laughs> what people love to hear about. They love to hear about your gym stories? Yeah, I went to the spa today, too. I'm so fancy. God, oh my God. But if anybody's listening to this, and you hear these stories of uh, an illustrious life of spa treatments and gym memberships, we are we do not have any money. So don't pretend Whatever, like we're... Whatever, I'm looking at a room full of clearly someone who has a lot of cash. I well, have no... Ca- oh, yeah, okay, these toys from uh the clearance bins are uh yeah they're really breaking the bank over here um anyway Jen- so now as many people know jennifer garner and ben affleck not together anymore we've endured past them i know um, sad but if you had to if you had to pick between the two who's gonna if you you're like they've been divorced we have to separate our friendships are you gonna be friends with ben affleck or are you gonna be friends with jennifer garner is wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! I need more information. They're fr- they've broken up. They're done. Are we friends with them in this scenario? Yes, of course. Why would? Or are be? we choosing like whose movie career do I want to kick with? Well, I don't. I mean, Jennifer. Unfortunately, Jennifer Garner's movie exactly. career is not great. But, but I, I'm going with Jennifer Garner. Yeah, me. See, I love. <laughs> I love Affleck. She seems like she's more interesting. I just, you know, Jennifer Garner has always been one of my people. I, I just say? feel like she'd be fun to hang out with, but she's also very grounded. She just seems nice. Although you don't like it when I say that I like her. I don't not like it. You're just like, get out of creeper. You call me a creeper. So if you like her so much, why don't you marry her? Can you please fix the eyebrow hair on your eyebrow? It has been driving me crazy. I didn't know that was what you were mark- telling I, me. I've been signaling you several times. How the fuck would I know what you're signaling me about? God, you've got such long eyebrow hairs. Yeah. It's I like, got Sarah it's Jessica like Parker. saluting me. It is like... It is like saluting me it's in girls, like a very racist way. It's Sarah Jessica Parker. Girls just want to have fun no, level eyebrows. No, it's like triple. It's, it's like, Eugene Levy and Schitt's Creek yes, eyebrows. Yes. Or his son who also has thick eyebrows. Very handsome though. Huh? They're very handsome eyebrows. Mine or Eugene Levy's? Yeah, you're not making it better. I don't know what you're looking at. <laughs> What's happening? Maybe I get, don't like, know. I don't know. What if I just do this with my face? Ah. I don't know. Your eyebrows might fall off. They're real. They're real attached. Really? Yeah. Um, what are we talking about? <laughs> I'm sorry. Ben Affleck in a sheriff's hat. <clears throat> okay, Phantoms. So it's a Dean Koontz book. Uh, give me some high stats on uh, Phantoms oh, real oh, quick. Oh, high stats, high stats. High stats. Phantoms came out in the really, like, when you think of, like, the month of the year that has the best movies... It's September or it's January. <laughs> this movie came out on our little niece's birthday, January twenty third. Uh, it does feel like a January twenty third movie. Nineteen ninety eight, rated R, one hour thirty six minutes. Written by, uh, well, based on a novel by Dean Koontz. Right. Screen. He also he did also wrote the screenplay. The screenplay. Yep. Directed by Joe Chappelle. Joe Chappelle not didn't make a lot of things. He made a Halloween sequel and a lot of TV after this. Um, yeah. Stars Peter O'Toole, <laughs> who doesn't arrive until the last twenty five minutes of the movie. No, he's in it a little bit, maybe halfway point. Last I would say forty five minutes of the movie, which is insane. I mean, first of all, the fact yeah. that Peter O'Toole is, is in this is also insane. stars Rose McGowan. Yep, and you know Ben Affleck. Yep, and then uh, Leah Schreiber is in it. 
Nikki Cat Schreiber. Very Mr. Nineties Nikki Cat. Nikki Cat. Who's uh who could have by the way, Nikki Cat could have been he could have very easily been because uh, they weren't they both in Boyle Room? Vin Diesel and Nikki Cat, I think, are both in Boyle Room with Ben Affleck. It, there's a world, there's an alternate universe where it's Baron Steen Bears instead of Baron Stain Bears, <laughs> and it's yes. Nikki Cat in ten uh, Fast and Furious movies and not Vin Diesel. Oh, I'm just saying, it's like there's a, there's an alternate universe where that's the thing, and it's Nikki Cat going, "Hey, everybody." <laughs> okay, so budget. Let's talk budget here, babe. Uh huh. Um, how much do you think it costs to make this ten million? Thing? Oh, I'm not gonna know because it doesn't actually have the estimated budget. <laughs> Didn't make any money though, right? Um, how much do you think it made opening weekend? Like two million dollars. Oh, cool. three million. Wow. But then here's the really fun part. <laughs> how much do you think it grossed total? It made th- how much on opening weekend? Three million. So I think its gross total is three and a half million. <laughs> Close. Five and a half. Yeah. So not so a great like, multiplier. It's, like, uh, it's like it made all its money in one fucking weekend. So here's what happened. It's 1998 in January. Uh-huh. A little movie in 1997. <coughs> A movie in 1997 called Goodwill Hunting is uh, making the Oscar rounds. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon have won an, are on their way to winning an Oscar. It's a critical darling, right? Miramax. This is a Miramax movie. Yeah. Mr. Bob and Harvey Weinstein. Uh, one of them is a piece of shit, and the other one's a complicit piece of shit. Uh, decided, hey, we got this uh, fucking Ben Affleck movie in a can. We're going to ride that Ben Affleck train to box office success. And release Phantoms right during the time when we're talking about Goodwill Hunting, and people are going to go see the movie, except for the fact that nobody wins. Well, <laughs> what happened was that um, three million dollars worth of people saw it, and then those people said, "This fucking sucks." <laughs> well, right. <laughs> okay, but that's question. a bad. That's a pretty bad opening. Obviously, that's not. Question. You're not moving the needle. No one's going to the movie. The people are going to see that performance and not go to the next weekend. Did they film this movie before Goodwill Hunting? Um, you, I mean, it's hard to, I mean, you could probably f- find that out. It, it's probably close. It might have been before. I'm curious because of what you've told me about what happened or what okay. Rose McGowan. So, so talk about that. Uh, Miramax, I mean, they famously hold on to movies for a long time. They have their group of people that they like using Ben Affleck being one of those guys, especially when Goodwill Hunting is being made and being a big hit for Miramax, right? Bob and Harvey Weinstein that uh Harvey Weinstein is he's one of their guys. So is Matt Damon, by the way, but he's one of his guys, right? So they would put these guys in Leah Schreiber's another one of them too. So I don't know what was made first or whatever, but what's interesting is that Phantoms, its legacy now is kind of the root of or is one of the main roots of Harvey Weinstein's eventual downfall because Rose McGowan who we don't go on to Charmed and all that stuff, um, was kind of one of the first, if not the first person to actually name, because she would tell stories of being, having these issues with an executive. I don't know if she ever named him right away, but then the stuff started happening. And it roots to Rose McGowan being one of these people that got her career railroaded and ruined and was assaulted and horrible things done or tried to be done to her as a result of of Harvey Weinstein. Um, allegedly, but come on. Yeah, totally, right? Um, <coughs> there is... I might have this a little bit... I, I'm not... We didn't, I didn't read up on this before, but I believe there is... There's Rose McGowan is in, has mentioned that she, like, shared this experience with Ben Affleck at some point, and that Ben Affleck 
possibly knew something or maybe tried to say something or didn't say something or whatever. It just, there's a lot of this stuff, right? There's Quentin Tarantino has had to say that like, well, I thought I've heard rumblings or Matt Damon has played like, oh, I don't know anything. And there's other people that have said more or less, right? But I guess the point is, is that it was happening at this time period and it is like this Rose McGowan being such a key figure in this eventual downfall that Phantoms is uh, kind of a weird a piece of history in this very disgusting aspect of Hollywood that has now finally been at least exposed and hopefully fixed for fixed? for good. Hopefully not not fixed, but like we're gonna stop like we're gonna be aware of this and stop executives from you know trying to force sex onto our female actresses. You know and what I mean? Them. Yeah, and then blackball their careers. And that's the, what's funny is that I don't know I can't remember if Mimic is a is a Miramax movie or not, but Mira Servino who won an Oscar famously just had her career obviously derailed by something or somewhat or whatever. And, uh, I mean, Rose McGowan, who you could say has had similar problems. So it is weird to go back and watch anything with a Miramax logo. Jay and Silent Bob strike back included in that regard. The new Jay and Silent Bob is not that obviously because it doesn't really exist anymore, but yeah, it's all, Miramax references, and this is a very much Miramax. Like it's Dimension films, right? It's not Miramax had their like when we put our schlocky things out, like Scream and stuff like that. Their horror movies, it was Dimension films, and that's what this is: is a Dimension horror movie. So there is that. Uh, this all this stuff uh, was happening, and anyway, you can do some reading and probably find out what Rose McGowan had to say sure. about sure, making sure, Phantoms sure. and what was going on around them. That's all I'll say. I'm not gonna. I don't want to get into it, but there you go. Phantoms was like shot on location ish in like Colorado. Like there seems to be some attempt to make this good, right? Ah, uh, there's an attempt. Yeah, it's okay. So Dean Koontz, we were both before we started this. We both told you had read a Dean Koontz book or two. Yeah, sure. I think we I yeah, did too back in, the day, in sure. like high school. They are. <coughs> I think it's rude to say he's the poor man Stephen King, but it. I think it's just like it's the more easy. I don't know. That's maybe derogatory too. It's like you know how Stephen King books are big and dense, and there's a lot going on. And Dean Koontz. Dean Koontz is meant to be like a like a paperback, like read it on an airplane kind of thing. Yep. It's fast moving. It's easy reading. It's meant to be like a an engaging little horror, scary suspense thing that you just kind of breeze through, like an adult goosebumps, if you will, yes. right? Um, so I didn't really care for those books, but so I only read like one or two, but it was weird that this was like also a screenplay written by Dean Koontz. Yeah. Um, it just starts, doesn't it? Yep. It just jumps. Rose right McGowan in. and the other actress who is, uh, what's her name? I don't know her for much, but she's been in some stuff. She's been in a ton of stuff. She, but not like never. Joanna a, going. She's never been a huge name, but she has, still has a career and all that, but they're in a and a, she's picking up her sister, who's Rose McGowan. They're driving into this remote town. It's a town that's only got 400 people in it in the wintertime, more in the summer. And it's like, this is the setup. You get this one scene in the car of them talking, and then, like, right when they get into town, some bad shit has already happened. People are just have disappeared. There is this weird shot where it's sunny. There's an overhead shot where it's sunny. And what appears to be the Independence Day alien ship coming over and like covering the entire town in a shadow. I yep. think it's meant to be cloud cover, yep. but it looks like the I- Independence Day aliens coming yep. in, right? And they find like the the is it, who is that? The, the maid at their house? 
Yeah. She's a doctor. The older sister is a doctor. And she's dead on the floor. It looked like she's got her blood sucked out. There's no blood shown. She's got some weird veins. Died suddenly. This shit just gets on going, right? It's five minutes in. And it's just, like, going. And it seems to me that it was, like, a... Like, there was probably more setup, and they were just, like... The Weinsteins were like, yeah, just get it going. Yeah. Like, 90 minutes, let's just get this going, right? And it isn't very long before they see some other scary shit. And this is such a weird movie. This premise is insane. Because it is, like, an entity or force in this town that seemingly has no rules, right? Yep. There are body parts or dead bodies that look sucked dry but not, or people that are completely disappeared. There are weird, like radio signals or electronics are going wrong there's piles of like metal and discarded things in places yep. it's so weird there's no seeming rules i think the main one of this that's the best example is that they go to a, like the bakery and they open up an oven and it's a big suspenseful reveal where you think it's like the timer goes off ding the, there's some, oh yeah and there's shit that's turning on and off it's so weird right there's there's no rhyme or reason to it it seems like ghosts or something right so we open up the oven to expect to find something horrible, and what we find are uh, pies, just yep. pies. And then there's, like, one single drop of blood that drops on the pie, and then two severed heads drop down. Yep. <laughs> and when you see it, you're just like, <clears throat> number one, how has it not been dripping for the whole time that any of those heads have been up there? And then two, where are those heads being held? Because an oven, it's not, there's no oven in which there's just like this extra space, like where you could just like stash heads. Yep. And that's where you're starting on this movie. It's like, there's no logical yep. explanation for this. You have what to like, assume it's a ghost. And that is this, it's an insane movie. The premise of this <laughs> only gets weirder from there. I would actually recommend that people watch this because it is batshit crazy. And not particularly suspenseful or scary, but it is bat shit crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And is after the bakery scene that Ben Affleck shows up. There's it's a trio of sheriffs. Yep. <laughs> we're told two of them were formerly in the FBI. Yep. <laughs> Which right off the bat, you're like, okay. And it's Nikki Cat, Leah Schreiber, and Ben Affleck, and they are from a neighboring town, or they are the sheriffs of this town. Why are they spared? I don't even know. I don't remember. They're not from that town. They're not. They come in and they're like, what they the fuck's the, going on? They got the sheriff's cut off call. Right. Okay. The sheriff was trying to call out. It ended. And so they arrive. And yep. why we bring, keep bringing up Ben Affleck's cowboy hat is, but one, I mean, when you see Matt Damon do a movie, like is he's done. A skinny young Matt. Or I mean. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. But Matt Damon has made uh, True Grit. He's made uh, All the Pretty Horses. He's been in a cowboy hat and it looks like. It fits on Matt Damon's head, I think. Even when those younger movies, right? Ben Affleck, I don't know if it's the hat so much as it's too big, but it's a comical sight from the square one, and you just want him to wear this hat this entire movie, and unfortunately takes it off about halfway through. But it is a great cowboy hat on Ben Affleck's head, and I just can't get enough of it. I want the movie to just have him walking around. It doesn't look good. <laughs> so bad. It doesn't fit on his head in any kind of way that makes sense, right? And then we get into this weird... Nicky Cat has no character. He gets killed real fast. Ben Affleck, seemingly competent, nice guy. He's got a pass, which is... The culmination of this movie is insane. But Liev Schreiber is a, is like the other sheriff that doesn't know the other two guys very well. And it's just like the epitome of like... <coughs> 
classic Liev Schreiber, like weird 1990s creepy character. Yeah. He's like wearing a beanie. He's <laughs> not chewing, a cowboy hat. He's chewing gum. <laughs> he's got weird big glasses. And he seems a bit unbalanced. He's unbalanced. He's making weird jokes. He's laughing at things that are inappropriate. He's creepy as fucking. Super creepy, right? A little rapey. Oh, <laughs> so a little rapey? Yeah. He's very rapey. Which is funny with the whole. Oh, yeah. Thing. Right. Yeah. Um,. So then we get a scene where they find another dead body in a place, and it's a lady, this shriveled up old woman, it looks like. Oh, yeah, in, this hotel, in the hotel. And he sits down on the bed and, like, starts talking to the dead body. Yep. And, and like, he has a creepy fucking look in his eye. And he's, like, touching in the neck. And it's, like, it's insinuated that he wants to fuck the dead body. Yeah, he wants to rape the dead body. And then Ben Ava comes in and is like, what are you doing? He's like, well, nothing. <laughs> It's so weird. Why is this in the movie? Right? And especially, why is it in the movie? Because then the next thing that... It's it's two scenes later. They get in a fight because Ben Affleck's like, this guy's fucking creepy. Like, why are you a guy that mm-hmm. should be around? Yeah. They get in a fight, but then right after that fight, a bat thing or a moth, it's a giant moth, attacks it's them. It's like a bat. But it, it, it's got moth wings once we see it's it close weird, up. weird, yeah. They shoot at it, and then Leah Shriver makes some comment about, like, we shot it 30 times, and it jumps on his face. And within seconds... It's his face gets sucked out and ripped apart, and yeah, Liev Schreiber is dead. Out, his eyes get sucked out, all the skin off his face is off. It's so weird, because here is Liev Schreiber, and you think, because he's being very rapey to Rose McGowan, he's mm-hmm. being very rapey to a dead body, and you're just like, this guy <coughs> is, there's something going on where we're gonna, like, this is gonna be a problem for this movie, right? And then he gets killed, <laughs> and you're like, what is this movie? It is insane, But he right? does get resurrected. Correct. Well, right. I mean, that's... But you don't think... Because this movie's so insane, you... Like, it doesn't... It, one, makes... Would make no sense for that to happen after he gets killed, right? You'd be like, okay, well, he's done and gone. Why was he weird and creepy in the first place? But then, when he does get resurrected, it comes as absolutely no surprise because this movie's so bug nuts that it's just like, of course he gets resurrected. But he's not really resurrected. It's just like this weird... Creature Shape-shifting thing. So that's when we finally... It takes. I mean, it's a half a movie where weird, creepy, gory shits happening, discovering dead bodies, and then people getting killed, and they're trying to survive, right? Yep. And then they see a name in in lipstick, and then uh, the army is rolling in, and we think like, oh, they're fine, or they're finally coming. We get the scene where Peter O'Toole, Lawrence of Arabia's Peter O'Toole, (sighs) eight Oscar nominations. By the way, one for this movie. He was nominated. No. For this movie, no. Eight Oscar no, nominations. Eight Oscar nominations. Why is Peter O'Toole in this movie? I don't know. They probably gave him some money, right? Because once he's in the movie, he's in. He's in it. He's not like it's like a scene and he's done. No, he's like, like the new protagonist. He's right? like a tabloid writer. He used to be professor studying ancient shit, like the Roanoke community that just disappeared, and like a Chinese army that disappeared out of thin air. No bot, no graves. Right. Yeah. This is a history Anthropology thing. Anthropology stuff. But he was kicked out of for his crazy theories on like some ancient demon that is ancient taking enemy. ancient enemy. They say so he's been now he's reduced to a tabloid writer. Well, the the government comes knocking, <coughs> mm-hmm. and he's got to come and uh, to the town, and he arrives, and then we get to figure out what the fuck's going on. And it is, despite everything being so weird with electronics going off and weird noises, people they're getting they're right half us getting prank phone calls. Of, like, uh, noises breathing on the mm-hmm. back, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what could this be? And it's an ancient evil that is... It's insane. Rose McGowan, by the way, thinks it's demons. And I I don't blame her. That's her only arc, by the way. She's like, 
we're getting attacked by the devil and its demons and we're all going to die. It's a nothing character, right? Nobody has a great character arc here, but hers is is like, the only thing she has is like, it's demons and we're all going to die and they're all, where are their souls? We have to worry about all the people's souls and blah, blah, blah. But I'm trying to, now maybe correct me if I'm wrong. And the book has more explanation, I guess, of like the Lovecraftian creatures and all this other stuff. But it's an ancient organism Mm -hmm. that lives deep underground Mm -hmm. that is so smart or intelligent or has evolved enough that anytime it kills and they use an earthworm theory that doesn't really make that i don't think is actually credible that says like once they absorb something they can create that thing it's kind of like the thing john carpenter's the thing where it's a shape-shifting thing that can take on the form of that's what we're kind of playing with here in fact there's a dog in the movie that rips apart very much like The Thing, which is a far better horror movie that you should definitely watch. Okay. But tell me if I'm wrong. It's an ancient, old, but it's not like a demon. It's not a uh, godlike creature. It's just an intelligent animal (coughs) or being that lives on the earth that's always been here that is so smart and great that it has the power to be the, the number one predator. But it's just a blob, right? Yeah, it's like a a goo. It's a goo blob, yep. but it can turn into this, and this explains why it can manifest heads out of an oven all of a sudden, yep. or it can move a severed hand from one place to another. Like it has ghost-like attributes, but it's the movie is trying to give it a scientific angle. <laughs> it is just like this weird. So it goes from what seems seemingly is a ghost story to a monster movie where the monster is like almost all powerful basically yeah. but that is it's an i mean it, it has to be seen to believed honestly it is just so crazy that uh you can't help but be like okay what are we gonna do now because this is like insane like, wow you're gonna fucking kill that thing right don't you worry and this movie but this movie's explanation of killing this thing is crazy well first the the, the army comes in right to get more fodder we get more people to kill first what were you gonna say no, keep going. Is that right? Yeah. Like, they, basically it's here so the blobby uh, thing can start uh, attacking people and killing a bunch of people. And the way it attacks is, like, tentacles come out and, like, rip people apart. So, uh, but then it can, like, shapeshift. Like, the army guy, <laughs> the army guy that is the leader of the army guy, he gets killed, but then he can, he comes back and starts talking. And we didn't talk about this very much, but Lee F. Schreiber is, his body disappears. They put him in a body bag. He disappears. And then he comes back, but he only comes back basically for like two scenes, one of which is just to like scare Rose McGowan on the toilet. Mm-hmm. She goes to the bathroom and like Leah Shriver is just like in the bathroom trying to rape her. Yeah. And then like, that's it. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, so then that thing where you thought that he was going to be like a problem for the movie, it is the thing that happens, but only for like a minute. And, and then, then it's gone. Well, he's back in the end. We can talk yeah. about that in a minute, which is just insane. But but then it, it just it, – it's almost like the – it reminded me of um, the book and the movie Sphere where they like talk to the being on the thing and it's um, it creates things and it's like attacking and that's the thing. Like it – Peter O'Toole deduces that it's an organism that can be killed and it can be killed because it thinks it's a god and it's all-powerful and it can't really be killed. And it's so arrogant that it won't know – when we actually like grab this convenient uh viruses that we have in this lab and if we inject it enough it won't it'll just assume that's his play he goes out there and be like we i'm gonna tell you our plan goo monster 
we're just we're gonna we think that we can hit you with this virus because we think that you're not really a god but we you and i know you're a god and it's not you can just come out because you know that you're not going to get hurt by this he like reverse psychology is uh, the blob monster and it works and it's peter o'toole talking to a blob monster yeah in a movie it was kind (laughs) of creepy how uh He's out there and he's talking to nobody's out in a dark street. And snow is falling. I like that. And snow is falling. And then within a second, there's like 400 people filling the street. Oh, I did like that. That's a good. And it's just like, and it's silent too. It's just like, they're there. That's a striking image. It's very disturbing. It has a, that's a good element. And it's like the only, um, <laughs> this is very, it's a very cheap looking movie. Yeah, we're watching it on like an old DVD. That's part of it. I think the, the transfer's not great, obviously. But, the visual effects are jaunty and deaths happen off screen a little bit that are too complicated. And then the, obviously that 90s era CGI looks real bad with the blob stuff. Um, but that scene of those pe- it's like probably the only real effective, like, um, I think the Liev Schreiber, cause he's creepy and he's being creepy. Yeah. His element of it is creepy and that works in that bathroom scene. But like that sudden image of all those people standing in the, in the street is pretty good. Yeah. Pretty solid. Um, but yeah, this is a movie where there's a goo monster that can be, that is, uh, uh, a godlike in its powers, but still al- somehow allows, it shakes, it takes, for example, takes the shape of a dog that watches over Ben Affleck when he walks, when he has to walk over to get more of the virus, that they're clearly up to something bad. And, but because, <coughs> but because the dog goo monster thinks it's so powerful and is toying with Ben Affleck and he wants Peter O'Toole's character like to tell the world how it's going to be undone and destroyed by the goo monster. The dog is just like, yeah, okay, I'm going to let you go ahead and clearly like make a plan to kill me and I'm just going to watch you creepily as you go across the room. Yep. It isn't, it's so crazy. I, you, you have to kind of admire the audacity of this plot. It's just so crazy. Yeah. The whole movie, the whole movie falls apart if this this monster is just like, yeah, okay, I'm done messing with Ben Affleck. I'm gonna kill him. You don't get to do that, uh, Peter, because he only really wants Peter O'Toole to write. That's the thing. It's a so dumb. Weird. It's a dumb goo monster too, because oh, sure. the goo monster thinks that Peter O'Toole has been studying him. He's gonna be the guy that's gonna tell the world about this, as because if anybody's gonna believe him. The reason he the the goo monster thinks that yeah is that he's killed some people in the town who were reading the tabloid. Right. So the goo monster has this, I thought that this is a real newspaper. But isn't aware that it's like, it is it is like the epitome of like a tablet. It's, it's a tablet. National Enquirer. Yeah. Like it's not a real, he's not a credible journalist to the point where like when this gets revealed later and like we're going to tell the world how to make sure that it's safe or whatever. Like no one, like it's just so ridiculous. Like, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> This was what gets to the crazy part of this movie, which is the Ben Affleck arc. It, this is just insane. In a movie where there's a goo monster that can take the shape of anything, can do anything like a ghost, uh, Ben Affleck plays an, a former FBI agent who, on a raid, revealed we get a quick flash of a kid holding up a gun, and that's what he sees, and he gets scared by that. It is revealed he just casually tells the doctor lady, it's like, oh, well, you used to be in the FBI. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, <laughs> yeah, well, why are you still, why are you sharing? like, oh, yeah, well, in a raid, I killed a kid by accident. Here's a newspaper article of it that I carry around. <laughs> he keeps this newspaper article of a raid because the kid was in a closet and he held up a toy gun and Ben Affleck murdered him, mur- <laughs> murdered him, which is not funny, but like this, it, the casualness of this, this arc and this movie is so crazy. 
that this is this is what is apparently gnawing on the Ben Affleck character. Who, I mean, listen, God love you, Ben Affleck. I think you're a good action star. I think you're capable of running around in this movie and quipping and doing other things. But like the emotional arc of your character being sad or somehow traumatized by this event is, is not shit. is not coming across no. in your performance. <laughs> He's like, so I killed a kid. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's bad. Casually, yeah, I don't know. What do you want me to do? It's almost like, and I love, listen, I love the movie Snowpiercer, except for one line of that movie. Spoilers for oh, Snowpiercer. No, don't even that. <laughs> no. Where Chris Evans reveals something, you're like, okay, well, that's a weird offhand remark. Chris, he ate a baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it's insane. Um, but that's the level of just absurdity. Why did you bring that up? It's such a weird line. Oh, Jesus, the Tyler. babies tasted the best or something. <laughs> it's a great movie. Mine is that uh, little tidbit. Um so what this movie decides to do is the goo, the goo monster, it knows their thoughts and knows what's happened to these people so that when it comes time for Ben Affleck to shoot, by the way, what they shoot the goo monster with are, are darts. It's a dart gun. <laughs> it's like what you do to tranquilize a velociraptor. Yeah, tranquilizer. They're tranquilizers. They're when shooting you say at dart a dart gun, I was thinking like a Nerf gun. Oh, like, a dart. I'm talking about like a tranquilizing what you tranquilize a, a raptor with. Yep. Right? That's the level. Which, by the way, when they found that severed hand and the tranquilizer, this all reminded me of The Lost World, one of our first episodes where that T-Rex inexplicably has ripped apart and there's severed hands in a tiny compartment of that ship. And it's we're supposed to assume that a T-Rex has done that, but it's because they, like, cut out this whole other thing. Anyway. Oh, my God. That was a random That's what I... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. So the goo monster decides that in the last ditch effort to survive, even though it could have killed Ben Affleck at any point, at any time in yep. this movie, yep. including the end when he's holding the dark gum up and like yep. going to kill, like he could just kill him yep. in any way or fashion because it can just appear and move in any situation. He decides that he's going to turn into the image of the kid yep. that he shot and killed. Yep. And then <laughs> he's like, oh, you're going to kill me again? You're going to kill another kid or whatever? Or something? I don't know. He's just trying to taunt him or you're whatever. you shoot me again? And what Affleck says, <laughs> this goes, is the great emotional arc. Yeah. He says what? Well, this time I'm going to miss. <laughs> and then he shoots and the bullet hits oh, the, yeah. the syringes of stuff. Another the, syringe the that the kid has taken. And it splashes and shatters all over him. And then it, he like does this weird violent shaking explosion thing. <laughs> This kid character, monster yeah. character. Right. So he kills a kid. Uh, well, right. But it, it's like one. Um... <laughs> what? It's just that his emotional arc is that he want, has to. So one, he kills the kid again, which I think is already a messed up thing yep. already. Yep. But like his his first instinct is to quip and be like, I'm going to miss this time as if that is like. Well, if only I had missed what I shot at that kid. Well, <laughs> it's like it's point blank. Yeah, it's not good writing. What a strange arc to put a character on and remind us again that this guy, well, he shot a child in the face, and that's why he's a sheriff in a small town and not an FBI agent. So he's someone we can definitely but, rely but on. But now we're like, we're okay with him because he, like, he missed this time, but he still like killed the thing. Uh-huh. What a weird thing to end the movie on. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, well, I'm now I've... I've gotten over my arc or whatever. It is just pure. And never mind that they've already shot the goo monster with like eight darts already. Yeah. I'm not even sure what we're doing down here. We need that one extra. It's the extra ounces. juice, right? Because yeah. it takes a little time to get. That's what happens in the Lost World. They shoot the T-Rex with one dart 
they have to shoot it with another one because it doesn't happen right away so yeah. big. But then that's too much. Uh, and so they gave it some crank, and that's why it goes crazy on the... That's, we should watch that movie again, The Lost World. Um, so this movie, the goo monster, and it turns into a face of the kid that was shot point blank by the hero of the movie, and that's what we're ending it on. You really ran through that plot. It's so solid. insane. I, we don't use, we don't always like run through a whole plot of a movie, but like that's why we're doing Phantoms, even though it took us, when you write the description of this, maybe mention that it takes us 45 minutes to get to it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's worth like saying, like sharing that like, yes, is this a good movie? No, <laughs> not at all. Is it like worth seeing for, as a scary movie for Halloween? No, but as a as a as an artifact of like movies that were made that movie stars were in that was was meant to like capitalize on the success of Goodwill Hunting of all things is a movie called Phantoms where there's a goo monster that can do anything and Peter fucking O'Toole Anton Ego I mean that's a re- that's one of his more later that's one of the last works of his life storied career Lawrence of Arabia would uh, I watch this movie again? Yes, yes, you would. Yes, I would. Because we've seen this, right? Yeah. And it's been a while, but as this was going on in the first half, I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going on You're in like, this movie. I was like, I don't remember what the you fuck said, the bad guy is. You said Tremors Worms, and I thought yeah. that that was right. I was like, that's what it is. And it, there is like some dialogue about... like They're in them... a sewer, too, and you just kind right. of see a thing, and there's a thing. And they're using the theory of like Earthworms taking the idea like the thoughts of another that was flatworms but yeah okay. whatever but that's what that's where this whole yes. that only thing i remembered yeah. other than other than ben i didn't even remember that he like shot a kid <laughs> like these are you're things. not gonna forget that now no because it's so insane and so intrinsically tied to like the the climax of the movie it's no wonder that uh the dean coons is considered the poor man stephen king and that my friends <laughs> is our old millennial <laughs> remembers movies take. Maybe we should on title Phantoms. on Phantoms. Sorry, I talk over you. Maybe we should title this episode "Phantoms and Jay and Silent Bob" because it did take us about forty-five minutes to get to <laughs> a little bit longer than normal. But I mean, it's a, it's something. People should seek this out. You know, Tyler, I would just like to commend you for really carrying the torch on this podcast. No, you're episode. not feeling great. I'm not feeling great. And there's so. coughs, and well, you're gonna. You said you might. You nah, know, yeah, probably not. I'll just be like, "Fuck you, people! You can listen to my coughs." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, we're so kind to our audience. Our audience loves us, and we love them. A lot of coughing. It's not your fault. I'm sorry that you're ill. Well, the reason we're doing this because I'm starting to kind of get it. I know. And I was like, and the first part of it is no throat. You can't, your throat hurts so much you can't. Like, at least you can talk. Yeah. I don't know. Phantoms, though. Is he the bomb, though? Is he the bomb in Phantoms? He really isn't. No, I think the joke is that it's a, one of the stupidest movies in his... I mean, in a... In a listen, I love it's Ben Affleck. It's not his fault. I don't think it's his fault. No, he's, I don't think fault. he's bad in the movie. No one is bad in the movie. No. Peter O'Toole. It's weird to see Peter O'Toole, a he's legend. bringing it, though. He's like, I'm taking this role seriously. He listen. And I'm doing a good job. He is. They. He's I, a class act. Very happy. He must have been very happy with the paycheck because he does give it his all. 
it's very strange or to see him in it. Or maybe he's not giving it his all, and I just haven't seen enough of him to know when he's phoning it in. But I think that <laughs> even when he's phoning it in, it's probably pretty good. This is not like a situation where you would think <coughs> the best example would be like when you see Robert De Niro, and this is not this is a little unfair, like seeing him on SNL. I mean, that's really like off his brand of he can't read cue cards. He but can't it's kind of like I'm later stage. He's it's like later now. Granted, I think The Irishman has gotten amazing reviews, and he's apparently incredible in that upcoming movie. De Niro, but like a lot of his movies that he's made in the twilight of his career, he seems like he's been phoning it in. And Peter O'Toole, to his credit, not phoning it in in Phantoms, giving it at least a B effort. He, yeah, he's right, good. He's well, yeah, of course he's good, but you know it's weird though because everybody else is just like these the young hot actors at Miramax, and they're not given any arc except for Ben Affleck's weird murder child arc. But what I will tell you is that even when Rose McGowan has nothing to do, I just like watching her. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, could it be the like eight seasons of Charmed that I watched? It probably her on? is. I don't probably. I've always kind of liked Rose McGowan. Thinks she doesn't do much now, but um, yeah, she's got good screen charisma. We didn't even mention the part at the end, the tag at the end, because they think they seemingly yeah. killed it, right? Yeah. But then we have a scene at the end where no one, people are at a bar, but not believing the story that Peter O'Toole has said on TV. And here's old Ev Shriver sitting there at a bar, like, "Hey, want me to show you something?" And he makes a creepy face. And it's like the horror movie tag of like, it's not really over. And it's like, it makes you want to, it does, I think it is dumb, but it also made me want like, as creepy as he is in those weird necrophilia scenes, it's like, this movie would have been a lot better if it was just like, he was around as like the the face of the blob as the villain the whole time. I think that would have been a better movie to use what you have, a hammy performance, uh, and use that to your advantage rather than some weird thing that can hear you at all times, see you at all times, attack you at any time it wants, or not attack you based on the the convenience of the plot. Yeah. It's in a sleepy town, and it does the thing I like in movies where it starts snowing at the end. It's yeah. like a wintry setting. I like that. I mean, it did come out in January, so <laughs> it's perfect. And they're like, hey... I bet you think Ben Affleck was like, "Fuck, don't release that right now." I'm trying to win a goddamn Oscar for writing Goodwill Hunting. I bet he was like, "Don't, goddamn it, no." I don't think Ben Affleck was saying shit back in those days to fuck a Miramax. Ooh, you're throwing the hammer down, aren't you? I'm on Later in the year, he would have Armageddon uh, in 1998, and that was a bigger hit. Obviously, God, yeah, you didn't have to carry that, that thing. I love that movie. We will. That will be an episode of Old Millennials Remember Movies. God, I hope I love it as much as I did. I mean, here's a fun fact about Armageddon that you may not know. It's not good, but it's Bullshit. enjoyable nah. to watch. It's one of these things. It's, uh, yeah. No, there's a lot of memories tied to that movie, though. Con Air so. is also very good. That's not, uh, I mean, yeah, I would agree, but <laughs> that's, that's got that Nick Cage factor, though. Yeah. Nick Cage. Oh, what are your thoughts on... No, before... we gotta wrap this fucking up, <laughs> Tyler. The Wicker Man is a 2006 movie, but what if we did it? Guys, thanks for listening, and we will talk at you another movie. You the bomb in Phantoms, yo. Yo.